It's nice to think about it because it was a very special shoot. Yeah. And yeah, that day, of course, it, it, it looms large. It kind of, it's the monster that you kind of, you're trying to not look at out of the corner of your eye that's just following you until the night before. And staying free within that pressure is, is the tricky thing. And I was under the impression that we would we'd probably, Fincher would probably go, he wouldn't, he wouldn't need to do so many takes because he would want that raw emotion in the first few. And right. then he'd probably move on. But he didn't, it was the same as ever. He just did, a, I think we did about 30, 30 35 takes of, of, uh, of my coverage of, of that. And it was absurd. It was totally absurd. I can imagine. But staying in it, but like I just tried to stay in it. But I would get confused about what was he needing that he wasn't getting and why and what, why, why do we keep doing it? And, but, I, but even with that voice, I was totally trusting of him because it's him and I just love his films. And I just want, it's the great thing about being on set with a director like that is you want to just give everything to them. And it was a really cool moment at the end because at a certain point I was like, this is never going to end. So I'm just going to stay in it and I'm going to imagine this is never going to fucking end. So in between takes, it was just head down, not talking to anybody and just kind of like keep staying in that internal space. So when he finally said, okay, moving on, it was like, I, I think I, I fell down, I fell on the, I fell to my knees in a very dramatic way. And like people clapped, it was very, very sweet. Because it was just like, I think it was more just like someone had run a marathon. Yeah. And everyone was like, that was grueling going through that. But he was so, it was a really lovely moment. It was actually one of the first moments where I, where, in, on a film set where I really didn't give a fuck how I was doing. Oh really? Whether like I, whether like I you were able to get right. out of your own head? Yeah, whether I was getting it right or not. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So we are getting closer and closer to the end of our coverage of David Fincher. Um, and now we move to, I guess, a movie that is seen as one of the best movies of the last decade. Um, and is kind of remarkably focused on the present as far as Fincher's work goes. So this is The Social Network. Um, so this is a movie, Mike, I remember when it came out, I was like, not like many people, I think not super excited about it. Cause of course it's the Facebook movie, but also as you know, right. um, we all have that like one actor who were just like, man, I cannot fucking stand you. And for me, that is Jesse Eisenberg. Mm. So movie about Facebook with him in the lead role, I was like, Oh God damn it. Uh, I mean, but it's Fincher. So of course I'm going to see it. And I was rewarded. I mean, I think this is easy to say because it's such a great movie, but this is easily to be the best Jesse Eisenberg performance. Like, I think not just because, like, it's easy to see him as a villain in this movie, but it's honestly, like, a great performance. Like, it is tremendous. Um, although I think, for me, Andrew Garfield is the standout performance in this movie. But Eisenberg is pre pretty fantastic here. Um, what was your... What was your thought process like first going into watching this movie? Were you similar mm -hmm. where it was kind of like uh, the Facebook movie or? Yeah, I didn't have uh, a Facebook account at the time of the film's release. And I guess I still technically don't. I've never had one under my name. <laughs> I was like, going to say, you barely know? do now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just. Okay, Mr. To, Horsey. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, engage, <laughs> uh, occasionally in maybe podcast promotion 
Um, and that's about it. But uh, like most people <clears throat> probably could do without. So um, that, that's just to say that I've always been a stick in the mud, I guess, about it. Never had a MySpace, any of that. Uh, <clears throat> I, I have fallen down the Twitter uh, rabbit hole, but that's also primarily just for self-promotion and not caring at all what other people are saying, uh, which is healthy, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, this I think might you're be better off, yes. <laughs> the only time you can say it's healthy, just to be a complete narcissist that way. Like, I'm not going to listen to any of the other noise. But that all that being said, I, uh, yeah, I probably would agree with you, at least at the time, thinking, uh, man, this is an awful lot of talent that's going to be wasted on something I don't care about. And I, I still struggle with it. Like even when I, you know, I know it's great. Uh, it has all the acclaim now as, uh, most people knew it would like that year. Uh, I don't think this is something that people thought, Oh, this is topical now, but it'll be forgettable 10 years from now. I think people knew then like, Oh, this is, this is a great fucking movie. And, um, because it, it manages to tap into things that I think, uh, would work for you even if you've you've never had Facebook, you have no interest in Facebook. I think you would get drawn in uh, to this almost uh, Shakespearean plot, this uh, of of ego and and friendships <laughs> cast aside, and um, you know. And then you have uh, you know I'll go there. You got to go to Johnson's butt too. How about that? Who you know when when can <laughs> <laughs> when can Shakespeare say that? Uh, I think not. So. Um, yeah, I, I went into it, uh, my first watch, uh, I, this was a true double feature for me. I went to the movie theater and saw this and, um, let me in, uh, the, uh, the, the oh. remake of let the right one in. And it was a pretty good day at the movies and both films. I remember That's the time thinking yeah. there was some pushback as far as like, why are we doing this? One, of course, having the obvious remake implications, like all the cinephiles, like mm -hmm. let the right one in. And it was a it was a pleasant uh, double feature that day at at the movies. Um, I do I will admit coming out of it that I I think I was more enthusiastic about Let Me In because I was just like wow they didn't fuck it up. Whereas Social Network I was like yeah that was <laughs> that was pretty good but you know not got vampires so you know I'm not gonna replay it replay that over and over for ten years and yet here we are like I've probably watched it on an annual <laughs> yeah, basis. We are. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is one that, um, has probably, you know, with a lot of people not being interested in the primary, should we call him character with Zuckerberg or not? Cause I, I think, he... <laughs> cause for a time this might've been seen as negative, but now I, I look at the character and it's like, I don't know, dude, this is probably the most positive <laughs> you're going to be seen. You know, Interesting that you say that because I had the exact same experience as I was rewatching this because this is this is not a movie that I've watched a lot. Like it's one of those movies that like, of course, when you first see it, you're like, yeah, this is a brilliant movie and you know it right away. You know, it's got, you know, you combine Fincher and Aaron Sorkin doing what Aaron Sorkin does and like really being in his element here, unlike when he directs movies, which he should just stop doing uh after after the last two because he did uh recently the trial of the chicago seven which sucks by the way don't watch that movie it's terrible um I mean, you know but I here it it's on like, netflix so i'm like he had a new movie yeah oh, why yeah. bother <laughs> yeah i'll get to it in five years yeah. it's fine um so it's got all that going for it but it's a movie that when i turned it on this time first of all i was very surprised to find out it's it's a sh relatively short film 
it's just a two hour movie, it it feels like something because it is so dramatic and so over the top. It feels like it's going to be a two and a half hour, three hour long movie, like like the last movie we covered, like Benjamin Button. Uh, but it moves relatively quickly. And as I was watching it this time, you know, there was a lot made in the press when this first came out and from. Zuckerberg himself like being very annoyed at this movie and think showing that it made him look terrible and like he was some monster but especially if you pay attention to the kind of final confrontation uh between him and Andrew Garfield's character um after Andrew Garfield leaves and he's kind of like you were too rough on him like you didn't have to be that cruel like I think it kind of paints him as a very lonely very damaged individual who's made a lot of bad choices when it comes to friendships, but not a monster. Like, it seems like I actually, like by the end of the movie, I feel a fair amount of pity for him because he has no one and in because of these life, choices that he's made. I do not at all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think that moment, especially, I mean, the whole performance Eisenberg gives, I think it's pretty phenomenal, but that moment is particularly good because it's done I mean, pretty much non-verbally, like you just see it in his eyes. You see how hurt he is when he realizes that the choices he's made has lost like the only actual friend that he ever had in this movie version of Zuckerberg. And it's pretty powerful. So I was surprised that it does seem to paint him in kind of a nice light, uh, considering. And when if you listen to Fincher in the director's commentary, he kind of says the same thing. He's very, it's so funny because he's very taken aback and surprised that people were like angry about this and thought that Zuckerberg was mean in this movie. He was like, I thought, I don't know. I thought he was a pretty good guy. I didn't really have a problem with them. So he was very shocked that Zuckerberg well, didn't like love this a, a portrayal. Little here. <laughs> I mean, this is the incel movie. I mean, th- this is about a man who... Yeah. Uh, is motivated by his hatred of women. That is the <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the reason he's yeah. not one of the richest men on the planet. Is he wants to um, get back at uh, a girl who calls him an asshole, who's actually just honest with him <laughs> for once about oh, what a prick you're being uh, to her in that moment. And how does he, uh, you know, how does he purge that uh, with his his genius, with his creativity behind a keyboard? Uh, to put them up side by side and say, which is hotter. Which... Look, he gave her a friend request by the end of the movie. Seems like. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, is, that is certainly reaching out, uh, I guess, in this, this day and age. Um, but yeah, I mean, you see something that's, you know, like the Joker or whatever. And But uh, to me, this is like the only incel movie you need. And it just so happens that the guy, you know, has, has become this multi-billionaire and he's, you know, the giving pledge, Bill Gates, all that. They're all fucking assholes. Like Steve Jobs, all of them. They're all, <laughs> that's the, the common thread is that mm-hmm. these, usually the, uh, the, the sort of world-leading defining people are ones you would not want to invite over uh, for dinner at, at all. Um, especially when they, they speak. Uh, at such length uh, about uh, nothing, really, of any, <laughs> any possible concern. Um, I will check and see if anyone quotes me on that, if they leave an iTunes, an Apple podcast review, if they if they fire that back <laughs> at me <laughs> for this, this very show. Um, but yeah, like I, we were supposed to record this a couple nights ago, and I told you I just wasn't in the mood. I'm still not really in the mood, which is unfortunate because I've... Um, you know, I hold this film in such esteem, but it's like, you know, we're in the middle of the, these very networks being used um, uh, as a means of insurrection. So, yeah, way to pick them, right. Dave. Like, you know, we, <laughs> like, I, I never <laughs> thought I'd say this, but like, can we just move on to the kindler, gentler, uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo? 
which is right. You know, yeah, tough sit in its own regard, but uh, at the very least, there's um, there's some vengeance, you know, from our main character there. So yes, uh, that would be the only there's thing I would say is maybe sure. just in this particular moment, and God help us, I guess, if more insanity happens uh, online. Uh, I could see maybe there being a little bit of a distaste um, as far as sitting down to rewatch mm-hmm. it again. But that would be it. That's really my only criticism of it. Right. So since there is that distaste, let's talk about how great Rooney Mara is in this movie. Because mm. uh, she's kind of the the anti-version of all of this. I was watching this and, you know, of course, everyone remembers that opening scene. It mm-hmm. is, you know, it is some of Storkin's best work. Um, and it does a really smart thing to kind of like start you off in the middle of a scene. What? You asked me which one was the easiest to get into because you think that that's the one where I'll have the best chance. The one that's the easiest to get into would be the one where anybody has the best chance. You didn't ask me which one was the best one, you asked me which one was the easiest one. I was honestly just asking, okay? I was just asking to ask. Mark, I'm not speaking in code. Erica. You're obsessed with finals clubs. You have finals clubs OCD and you need to see someone about it who will prescribe you some sort of medication. You don't care if the side effects may include blindness. Final clubs, not finals clubs. And there's a difference between being obsessed and being motivated. Yes, there is. Well, you do. That was cryptic, so you do speak in code. I didn't mean to be cryptic. I'm just saying I need to do something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun, and they lead to a better life. Teddy Roosevelt didn't get elected president because he was a member of the Phoenix Club. He was a member of the Porcellian, and yes, he did. Well, why don't you just concentrate on being the best you you can be? Did you really just say that? I was kidding. Although, just because something's trite doesn't make it any less I want to try true. to be straightforward with you and tell you that I think you might want to be a little more supportive. If I get in, I will be taking you to the events and the gatherings, and you'll be meeting a lot of people you wouldn't normally get to meet. You would do that for me? Okay. Well, I want to try and be straightforward with you and let you know that we're not anymore. What do you mean? We're not dating anymore, I'm sorry. Is this a joke? No, it's not. You're breaking up with me? You are going to introduce me to people I wouldn't normally have the chance to meet. What the f- What is that supposed to mean? Wait, settle down. What is it supposed to mean? Erica, the reason we're able to sit here and drink right now is because you used to sleep with the door guy. Door guy. His name is Bobby. I have not slept with the door guy. The door guy is a friend of mine, and he's a perfectly good class of people. And what part of Long Island are you from? Wimbledon? Wait. I'm going back to wait, my door. Wait, wait. Is this real? Yes. Okay, then wait. I apologize, okay? I have to go study. Erica? Yes. I'm sorry. I mean it. I appreciate that, but I have to go study. Come on. You don't have to study. You don't have to study. Let's just talk. I can't. Why? Because it is exhausting. Dating you is like dating a stairmaster. All I meant is that you're not likely to... Currently. I wasn't making a comment on your parents. I was just saying that you go to BU. I was stating a fact. That's all. And if it seemed rude, then of course I apologize. I have to go study. You don't have to study. Why do you keep saying I don't have to study? Because you go to BU. Want to get some food? I am sorry you are not sufficiently impressed with my education. I'm sorry I don't have a robot, so we're even. I think we should just be friends. I don't want friends. I was just being polite. I have no intention of being friends with you. I'm under some pressure right now from my OS class, and if we could just order some food, I think we should... You are probably going to be a very successful computer person. You're going to go through life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that that won't be true. It'll be because you're an asshole. Um, So you're trying to catch up. um, So you're automatically engaged, uh, which is a very smart decision. But Rooney Mara just owns that scene like... 
her takedown of him by the end of that scene is something to watch. And if there, I think we've talked about this before, these like really small roles that end up, you know, getting nominated or winning awards. This is the one for me. This is the one that like, if this, if she had won an, uh, an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, and she's in, I think, three scenes in this movie. She's in that first scene. She's in a kind of a reaction scene when he posts about her and then he sees her one more time in a restaurant and that's it. So like probably total screen time, like less than 10 minutes in this movie. But I think without that introductory scene, I don't know that anything in this movie really works because you can see like, yeah, it's completely misguided, but this is his motivation for everything is this one girl. Well, it's not necessarily like the girl that got away, but it's like the girl that got the best of him and he just can't deal with that. Uh, so he has to get drunk and code about it. Uh, I mean, and then that leads to everything too, else. He gets too rich and too successful too fast that you're going to have any um, moment of honesty um, that's not right couched in some way as uh, uh you know the reason this person's anger with you is because they want a piece of this so you've got the uh the the Winklevoss uh twins here who obviously like you know they have a competing side or you know that was uh they're saying that this idea of theirs was like twisted um and and you know they they have litigation against them you have his best friend which uh, certainly has, there's more emotion behind it, but it's still motivated by money and credit and power. Mm-hmm. So that sequence is the only time in the film that someone is just <laughs> directly challenging him for who he is as a person, not what he represents or, um, he, you know, he becomes his own sort of functioning economy of people trying to like leech on to this, this rocket ship <laughs> of, of Facebook. So it's important you have that to start because I think, you know, you, you have to call this dude out before it gets tangled up. Like I remember watching this with my friends and there would be, um, you know, one scene where they would think he's reprehensible. And then the next scene they were like, well, you know, this old money is trying to take money from him and he actually created it. Like, fuck them actually. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it goes back and forth as far as, uh, is he reprehensible or is he just <laughs> better at being reprehensible than these other people? He's just faster moving about it. So having that at the jump, um, is important. And also, you know, they do, they call back to it, uh, where he, you know, tries to, I don't know if you'd say he tries to reconnect there, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, I think guys in particular are probably guilty of it where they think just maybe the, uh, the act of the apology is somehow like worth someone else's time when, I mean, it's really just about yourself at that point. There's, there's no genuine attempt to, um, go back over and apologize for what you've done. You just want to say that you gave the apology and he's one of those guys. I don't think that he actually genuinely, even in that moment, he doesn't genuinely know how he's upset her. He can maybe like stand back and she can regurgitate it to him, but since he doesn't, he doesn't seem to recognize and doesn't even seem to agree with her being upset. It's never going to be genuine, and mm-hmm. it's that's the thing. It's it's interesting to me is that he's just he's just a. I, I believe the movie does this balancing act where I believe he's authentically the creator of what would become Facebook, like you know, whatever legalese you get into. I'm thinking like, okay, I I do side with him to a certain degree that it's like he created the thing. Like it's his, it's his baby. However, I don't necessarily find him being an authentic 
person. Like it, it doesn't seem like he has, uh, for someone who is so intellectually stimulating and, you know, stimulated at times. Um, he has that great moment where he's like, he, he only devotes so much of his attention to what's happening in that room because he's, he's off and never, never land, you know, creating like these, these great futuristic things that will change the world. But he doesn't seem like someone that without being pushed, uh, would have any sort of inclination on where to go himself. So it's interesting because then you get back into like, well, okay, is he the creator? Cause he did the work or do these rich fucking, you know, handsome twins, army hammer, two of them, my God, uh, do they deserve a cut because they pushed him into that? Does his friend deserve a cut? Cause in some twisted way by him getting into a club, <laughs> that this version of Mark Zuckerberg couldn't, that's what pushed Facebook into existence, which is all going back to Dave. Uh, there's like Benjamin Button. There's so many things that's like, man, if that had just not happened, like, you know, I've seen a lot of people say it, especially this week of what happened at the Capitol. Uh, how much better off would we have been if we just stopped at MySpace? If it's just, you have your, you know, your top yeah. eight or whatever, you have your, God awful music playing in the background and <laughs> browser destroying like moving imagery. All your, of this, your MIDI um, music going, yeah, yeah. It's... But I don't know. Do you agree with it? I mean, do you like? It's interesting because most of these films about these, you know, misunderstood kind of geniuses. It's like, well, they see the world in a way that we just can't understand, and I don't think it's presenting him like that. I think he took a pretty simple idea. Uh, but even with the uh, Justin Timberlake mm -hmm. character, you know, he's looking for someone to give him guidance. Like, you know, drop the, 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 you know, the Facebook. Like, he, he's looking <laughs> yeah. for someone to acknowledge what he's done is cool in some way. He's definitely, he's not the guy that's driving the culture, even though what he created, you know, really did. Yeah, I mean, I think the question that the, in some ways, one of the most important questions the movie is asking is, you know, did he create this or did he steal this? And the answer is both. I think, you know, there is plenty of evidence there that, you know, the the idea, especially it's starting with being like, oh, only these email addresses at these fancy colleges, like you can't get in the door, just like he can't get in the door of these clubs uh, is important. But he did take that idea and make it something more. So there is a certain amount of creation that goes to it. I think like, you know, I'm not sure if it was in the movie or in the commentary, but kind of talking about like, you know, just because I didn't create the first shirt doesn't mean that every version of that shirt is protected. Uh, I can do something different with it. I can expand upon this. I can I can make this bigger. I can make this better. And uh, I'm glad you brought up uh, Justin Timberlake's character, Sean Parker, which is which is pretty tremendous, but I, you know, it's one of those, you watch it and you're like, I'm not sure how much acting is going on here. I'm like, there's a lot of Justin Timberlake in that character, but I think it also provides um, some excellent opportunities for comedic acting from Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, there's the scene when they're all at dinner and he's kind of telling him, you know, like, oh, you know, what you've got going for you right now is it's cool. And you constantly hear Eisenberg in the background. That's just what I said. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, and it's so annoying. And you totally get why, uh, why Eduardo is just like, God damn it. Like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I cannot listen to this shit anymore. Like you feel that anger and that resentment and you can see like, that's where, that's really where the split is beginning and it's such an important moment because before that like no matter what uh zuckerberg does his best friend is kind of like well all right that's fine like that's just who he is 
we'll deal with it. But that is the moment where everything goes south. And, you know, later in the movie, when he moves off to California, there is a wonderful scene where uh, Timberlake shows up and figures out that the friend didn't come. And there's this like little smirk on his face and you can see like the wheels turning and you can see how devious he is without ever doing anything that you can really call him on. You're still like, oh, man, this this man has plans and it's not going to end up well for the for probably the character. I mean, maybe not. But for me, the character I like the most. What do you think about Andrew Garfield's character? Like for me, he's the one I don't know who seems out of all the cast of characters the most approachable the most normal the most balanced uh until of course the giant explosion at the end of the movie as you know a sorkin script will build to that moment well i would say that you know andrew garfield's he seems like the most human um it's interesting on rewatch to you know unfortunately side with the justin timberlake character here uh i you know i keep calling them characters not that i think that uh, this podcast is gonna be sued or anything but at least the version of events as related in the film uh is that he is right as far as keeping it cool like that whatever skill set mm-hmm. um he has i think that this version of sean parker um you could say he's skilled at being in proximity to money <laughs> or what's about to be yeah. a lot of money. It's a good skill to have. When he... <laughs> I would like to be able to do that. Yes. That's... <laughs> um, you know, I mentioned Dakota Johnson uh, mainly just for the butt shot at the beginning uh, because I'm a, a good American, unlike most. And so I'm trying to put out imagery that will unite the country again. Um... <laughs> and if we can't yeah, unite and he just hears this idea. That, I mean, come on. We probably can't, and, and you know, the, I, now that I think about it, do I want those people to be in proximity to Joe Johnson's butt? No, I do not. Um, not? No, that's a good point. Uh, but he just hears this idea from this girl that he's he slept with, and he's not financially motivated in that he needs it. Like, he's already had successes and with with Napster and, and so the tech field, um, but he knows instantly what this can be. And I would say that's probably the worst thing you could say against the friendship here is that Eduardo at different turns, he, he's thinking logically. He's like, well, he's the one investing money into this. And so he's like, when are we going to start seeing some money out of this? And it's a reasonable question, but you can also like with the presence of hindsight, see, Oh, if they put ads over top of it and they had done this, that, and the other, how fragile, um, <laughs> social media platform is you know r.i.p uh parlor uh how incredibly fragile it is to <laughs> oh <it's> so sad <laughs> oh someone forgot to turn on the amazon uh, light switch oh no what's happened here? yeah <laughs> um feel so bad for you these scumbags um so yeah i mean it's i would say that just on the face of it, you know, he's the one you'd want to hang out with, but he, uh, he's not business savvy in the slightest. I mean, signing no. any, <laughs> any papers that are going to effectively move him closer to the door is like, damn dude, like all the, <laughs> this Ivy league education, like what, 
you know, like <laughs> worthless, <laughs> fucking worthless. <laughs> and why would you trust someone who even looks like Jesse Eisenberg or you know Mark Zuckerberg, the actual Mark Zuckerberg for that matter? They look like that, of course. They're... Now, now we agree. <laughs> yes, yes, Mike, come to my side of things. I think actually you're bringing up um, a really good point that this is this is one of the reasons I think this is just you know one of the most one of the best screenplays of the last 10 or 20 years, because it would be very easy to make, especially Sean Parker, but also Mark Zuckerberg into complete villains who are wrong at every turn and just monsters. Um, but this screenplay makes the choice to make uh, Eduardo. And of course, some of this is based on fact. So you kind of have to go that way. But essentially they make the character you like the most, maybe the character you actually want to hang out with wrong. At almost every turn, like he makes the wrong calls every like, you know, he he donated the money. Right. And he did that. He did that part. Right. But after that, everything he wants to do, you're like. And of course, we have, like you said, the benefit of hindsight. We know what Facebook becomes and we know why it's popular now. I think we have a better idea, at least. So we're like, oh, no. Yeah, you don't want ads here. That is that is the thing that's cool is that it's free and that it's not everybody has it and it connects you and all that good stuff. And, you know, Sean Parker and Zuckerberg realize this, but they fucking suck, man. And like, you know, and for very different reasons, like Sean Parker, like just he just like just the the skeeziness just like oozes off of him. Like, you know it right away. You're just like, yeah, this is not a good person. And Zuckerberg is so awkward and, you know, most most likely an incel. And you're just like, I can't. I can't hang out with you. And there are moments where I'm like, God, how did these two become friends? Like, how did him and Eduardo like end up being friends? But there is a really, and it was mentioned in the commentary, there's a really nice moment that visually you can, you can tell the story that these people have been friends for a long time without saying it. There's a, there's a scene where Zuckerberg tosses a, a bottle cap at him uh, as they're drinking beers. And instead of like reacting poorly or getting mad, he just kind of, moves out of the way like this has happened a thousand times like you do with your buddies you just like you fuck with them uh and that's and that's what you do and if you did that to a stranger you know you'd get yelled at or there'd be a fight but these two are so comfortable with one another that you get these little moments together and as you as you rewatch it i think those moments early in the movie it kind of makes you sad because you know how this ends you know that this implodes eventually because of money, because of, you know, competition, because of, you know, the world at large, like this is what happens. And it just makes you wonder, like, would Zuckerberg, would this version of Zuckerberg anyway, be eventually a decent person if he didn't get so rich so quickly? Um, or was he always destined to just kind of be a jackass? Uh, but now he's a jackass he with money. To be an asshole, I think. Um, I... <laughs> Yeah, at this point, I mean, I don't know what sort of life experience would have to happen, um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's he was just going to be uh, extremely bitter one way or the other, um, and you mm-hmm. know, now I, I think there's a there's probably still a bitterness um, that you know someone that aspired to if he truly believed that they were going to have something that was world something world shaking at his fingertips, which you know turned out to be true. Uh, you know, now you see a bitterness as far as like, well, we're not, we didn't cause that to happen. Like, you know, it's just a silly place where people share cat pictures and all that. Like there's, it's, it's, um, 
very easy for them to drift in and out of responsibility, which plays out in the course of the, you know, the battle for sort of ownership or credit of Facebook itself. Like when it's convenient for him uh, to be cutthroat, uh, he is, and he seems to relish that. And then other times, uh, you know, seems to plead ignorance uh, at the, at the goings on mm-hmm. so that he was just, he was cut out, you know, he took bad advice from someone. So um, no, I mean, overall, I don't think he's a sympathetic figure in the slightest. That's the only time I think I'll disagree with you, Dave, is I don't give a fuck what happens to Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, unless <laughs> unless he's eating the rich himself, uh, I want him to starve. That's it. That's only sustenance. He can right, the only protein enough. are other rich assholes. <laughs> Fine with me. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> the thing we haven't talked about is, um, and we've talked about it on other episodes, strangely enough, is Trent Reznor uh, and Atticus Ross's score of this movie, which is, you know, neither of us, I think, are big score guys. Like, we don't spend a lot of time talking about that. Uh, usually, if if you notice the score, usually, for me, that's usually a negative because uh, it's, like, standing out a little too much. And you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. You're The cues are obvious. Let's Let's chill out a little bit. But, like, this is, I think, one of the exceptions. Like, I think this is utterly brilliant uh, and, you know... We, we kind of talked about, like, <laughs> and you laughed at me for this, for, you know, uh, Fincher taking a chance on poor millionaire Trent Reznor. Uh, I don't know how you, you care for but it's the, like the... <laughs> the fragile eagle of the rich. I can tell just from this conversation. Right. <laughs> but it's, but, as you know, looking back at it, of course, it's like the perfect match, right? If you're going to... If you're going to make a Facebook movie, right? If you're going to make, you know, essentially a movie based in technology and electronics... Trent Reznor might be the actual perfect choice here, and it absolutely works. And I remember being surprised by him choosing Trent Reznor, but as we've gone through these movies, I'm less and less surprised. Because if you look at, you know, Fight Club, he enlisted the help of the Dust Brothers, who are, you know, not exactly, you know, standard film score. So he's willing to kind of push those boundaries. But I think this is much more polished. And even though it is electronic based, like this, like if you told me like a, you know, a musician who usually does scores did this. I wouldn't be like, I can't believe that this sounds, you know, this sounds like nine inch nails or this sounds amateur. This sounds that like, it does feel extremely polished and just, it's, it's one of the few scores that I feel like, yeah, I feel like I would be happy to purchase that. Like that's something I feel like I could listen to on its own. And especially the, the segment where you have the kind of, you know, the Winklevi, uh rowing crew, um, and you have that kind of, you know, process of showing that big race, like the music behind that is just like infectious. And it weirdly, I feel like, man, I could, you know, we could watch this whole race and I would be perfectly happy just because the music is so impressive. Yeah. Hand covers bruise, uh, is the opening credits, um, track i guess which i actually have listened to uh in embarrassing in session film uh, fashion uh on <laughs> spotify or apple music um and like you i i think most of the time the music i pick out is if everything else is working in conjunction with it to create create a moment in a film something that's memorable so you, you know i remember uh-huh. the music because i remember that scene or or something of that nature and um I would say this is probably one of the rare times uh, where I have, you know, just listened to the soundtrack. Uh, that being said, if the movie sucked, I don't know how great the music would be if it recalls right, a right. movie that I hated watching in theaters. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that 
Uh, you know, the difficult part of this is that you're, what is the emotional balance you're going to try to strike? Because uh, music is usually and sometimes aggressively helping in a way to get you to feel something in a moment that maybe they haven't captured. And I don't think it's the it's a lack of performance here. I think it's just the type of character Eisenberg's playing is they needed mm-hmm. probably some extra push to nudge the audience to feel <laughs> one way or the other when he doesn't have much capacity to express emotion himself. It would have, it would have made for a lesser mm, performance. A so in that regard, I think Reznor's at times it's at times it's, you know, I've, I've heard it called very cold. Uh, I think in the um, uh, mid nineties, did you check out the, the Jonah Hill movie from a couple of years ago? Uh, you know, I still haven't seen that. It's what I've been meaning to watch okay. like since it came out, but just never I was listening to a podcast interview where he, uh, he was um, ecstatic that they got, uh, Resner and uh, Atticus Ross to do the score because he loved the social network score. And um, he called uh, this score cold. And he was saying, could you do like the warm version of that? Like something like looking back, something very nostalgic with like fond memories as opposed mm. to as in this film, people are reliving, you know, the worst probably financial decisions they ever made, <laughs> whatever rights they signed away, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't find it would be like, I think they still ended up okay though. You know, <laughs> I mean, All these. I well, mean, I think I think that's why the movie is is balanced in that way. Is that even though like, you know, you can view it like, oh, he stole this idea, or poor Eduardo, but they all end up, you know, well, having Eduardo, many many millions of dollars. You can't feel that bad. I think he renounces <laughs> like, U.S. citizenship just as a you know a tax haven in another country, which. Given the events of the last, you know, decade of this country, you know, maybe good call, buddy. Good I, move. I don't, I don't remember where he ended up, but. Um, <laughs> And yeah, you're going into the the Winklevoss twins. I mean, even that sequence where they just barely lose uh, rowing crew. I mean, you know, (laughs) the sport they're participating in is so insular and privileged that it's like, oh, they just Mm -hmm. barely lost this this thing. You know, well, you know, good good job anyway, old chap. That sort of thing. Like they're backhanding, and he's like, (laughs) you know, it's just the (laughs) land of the rich. Uh, at a certain point, yeah, you have to be somewhat amused that it is a battle for table scraps, in a way, uh, for these people. It's not necessarily right. life-altering financially to those, which is why, I guess, ultimately, you can maybe root for Mark Zuckerberg, because they do frame him a bit as the outsider who is coming in and sort of mm-hmm. stolen what is rightfully meant to be a generational you know, wealth that just keeps multiplying and multiplying. Um, but I still say fuck him. Fuck him and all the rest of them. <laughs> Fuck everybody in this movie, except for Rooney Mara. Who cares? Good movie, though. <laughs> that's a rare yeah, accomplishment. No, I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's something that makes this movie particularly interesting. Is You know, I think Fincher has been accused of being a cynical filmmaker. And, you know, you mentioned the word cold in reference to the score. And I think a lot of people have, you know, called Fincher that. Especially you take out something like Benjamin Button... There is a lot of coldness to his work. So I think this is kind of the it feels like this is the perfect set of characters for him to deal with, because there's no other than Rooney Mara. There's no good guy here. There's no there's no hero. There's no white hat. Like these are all shades of gray. And it all depends on, I guess, what you hate the most. Like, do you hate the 
asshole? Do you hate the old money? Do you hate the people who make stupid mistakes that they shouldn't make? Like, what is your what is your level? So I think it makes for an interesting discussion because there's so many directions that you can go. Um, and I think the one thing that this movie I remember getting flack for, um, and I'll I'll ask you how you feel about it before before I kind of go into how I feel about it. But the sequence early in the movie where he's like doing his coding and, you know, drunk off his ass and doing terrible things. Um, it's intercut with these scenes from these parties at these like, you know, secret groups and secret societies. And people had somewhat of a negative reaction to those sequences. Cause it like looked too nice and everyone was too pretty and it was overly sexualized. Um, so what did you think about, those scenes the kind college? of the intercutting of those college parties yes okay i mean i <laughs> like i guess we're getting into the the too pretty thing first i would say if you if you watched a movie before uh, as far as the the faces that you're accustomed mm-hmm. to seeing on a giant fucking screen uh and and no too kidding. sexualized except except for jesse eisenberg I mean, come on. I mean, that's the reason he's, you know, he's trying to burn it all down, man, because they won't, <laughs> they won't let him in. Uh, no matter the how uggo but, can't uh, get in. So. Too, yeah, too sexualized. I don't, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's um, a lot of hormones, a lot of alcohol, uh, in particular, a lot of wealth, uh, where people feel that this is the, the norm of their life. Uh, what they want can be uh, mm-hmm. bought or, some, you know, there can be a... a particularly expensive carrot waved in front of uh, people to get them to do their, their bidding. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that it's likable, but I think working with that opening sequence where you have two, as I said before, maybe relatively outsiders uh, with Rooney Mara and Jesse Eisenberg, like they are just attempting, or she's at least attempting to have a conversation uh, with him. Uh, And he's just, (laughs) he's just looking for a shoulder to rant uh, onto, mm-hmm. um, no, I'd never heard that particular criticism before. I, I find it kind of um, amusing. Um, are we trying to remove any bit of sexuality from the college life in, in a movie that primarily is going to be about dorks <laughs> sitting in front of keyboards? I mean, give us something, I guess. I, I think the other thing too is the way I've always viewed that sequence is like. Not that it's not happening; it is happening, but I think it's happening from the perspective of the people who aren't there. Um, this is what they envision is going on, what they envision they're missing out on, um, because that is their motivation. That is their goal is to get into these parties, to be a part of it. So they're not going to envision it as like some boring state affair where everyone's like, you know, you know, sipping alcohol and smoking cigars. It's going to be a fucking party and there's going to be sex. And these are you know, as far as we know, young heterosexual men in college. So, of course, they're going to envision beautiful girls making out with other girls, dancing naked, doing crazy stuff, because that's what they're that's their dream. That's what they think it's going to be. So like that to me is all, always how I read it is that it doesn't matter if this is real. It's real to them. It's real. Like it's that, um, you know, FOMO, right? Fear, fear of missing out. Like this is exactly what what Fincher is showing here. And and during the commentary, he kind of talked about like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, maybe a little bit over the top. But, you know, and he goes back to this a lot. Like we're making a movie here. Like <laughs> I'm. Sp- it's supposed to excite you. And if you're upset by something exciting you, there's something 
deeper going on with you than movies. Like, there's something wrong. It's okay for pretty people to be on screen and us to enjoy watching them. It's totally fine. Um, And, you know, I think that's something in a weird way uh, that we've kind of lost in movies over the last couple decades. Like, movies in general now are very... You know, they shy away from sexuality um, and that kind of stuff on, on screen. They're very, you know, they're very focused on story and it's like the sex scenes have kind of gone away. There's not there's not a lot of like sexual thrillers anymore um, that has gone away. And I think we're kind of missing out. I think this goes oh. back to your <laughs> stars formula. Right. I mean, it's like I mean, it's also that's the reason like like movies are of art form with a lot of variety. Right. But originally like movies are made for entertainment you want to see the most beautiful people on screen doing the most beautiful things and we have gone so far away from that uh, because we're so uh associated with awards and oh it's well art, it's also it's film it's, it's not a movie it's like, young progressives down. online or middle-aged progressives yeah. attempting to seem younger uh who mm-hmm. in my lifetime are they seem like the most conservative people when it comes to to sex and entertainment maybe they're not in their private lives mm-hmm. uh you know i don't care if they are or not i mean <laughs> go for I it i think they are there too <laughs> well i mean <laughs> but there there seems to be such apprehension uh about this which i i'm you know surprised that it's not going the other way that you're not exposing people to more of how they are sexually in their, their real life. Uh, I, I thought we would be further than that now, as far as you know, things that of course, obviously I'm not going to be privy to cause that, that whole sequence you're talking about with, uh, you know, these, these dorks imagining the college party. Uh, I probably was far closer to them. Uh, although I always liken myself more to a bill from freaks and geeks, the show, I think there's one episode where it's just him coming home from school and just like eating, like just pounding his face with junk food as he watched this, this comedy special that it's just him and his own little personal slice of heaven, just like eating disgusting food, laughing his ass off completely alone and isolated by himself. Uh, there can be that too. Uh, and that's probably healthier than creating mm-hmm. something that's going to uh, allow Donald Trump to, to rise. But um, no, I mean, I think that, you're talking about like erotic thrillers, which I love to watch those old, like, you know, eighties and nineties, uh, type of movies mm-hmm. that, as you said, used to be every couple months, there's another one, uh, that would come out. Yeah. Um, no, we're, we're going to get far DePaul more. made a whole career fucking, on it. Yeah. That's like all he did. <laughs> it, it's going to be the fucking, you know, it's going to be fucking Pleasantville, uh, without Joan Allen flicking the bean in the bathtub. That's what we're going to see in movies for the next 20 years. And I hope you flicking fucking the bean. Uh, <laughs> I have not heard that term in a long time. Probably since yeah, the Pleasantville days. Color. We need to, you know, light that tree on fire folks. It's, it's time. Like it's, I, and I find myself, and I don't want to get too in the weeds about this, but like, no, no, I find myself wondering a lot about. of this. <laughs> I wonder if, if a lot of it is because like, pretty much any kink anything you want is like readily available for free on the internet so like the idea of like going to a movie to see this may be totally foreign to younger generations whereas like from our generation growing up like this is this is all we had like finding like to get pornography in the 80s and 90s like man you had to work for it and now you just have to like log on and you can look up anything under the sun anything you and want and the key difference and you can like find the key it. difference so maybe it, I, don't, I don't care 
what do you think about your OnlyFans uh, subscriptions? They're not movie stars. Uh, they may be doing the Lord's work, putting on the hard hat, getting out there, and I respect them for their service. <laughs> but they're not movie stars. And so, yes, the, there's right. a disconnect there uh, where you know we see our, our uh, movie gods go a certain ways, and then the Truman Show thing. The curtain flutters, and then we drift out, and everyone can remain calm because it didn't get too explicit, but the fantasy was there. Um, you're right. Maybe social network isn't the greatest film of the last decade. Not enough sex. Thumbs down. Not Moving enough on. fucking. But then, but then given the cast, who do you want to see fucking in this movie? I mean, what's wrong with, uh, you know, you got Andrew Garfield, Rooney Mara. They're attractive. What's, you know, what's true. Two. I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm have a fucking murderer. Dakota row. Johnson. <sighs> Yeah, I guess that would be fine too. I mean, you know, I I enjoyed their little uh, interlude. I don't know if his head's in the game. You know, he's too distracted by nerd shit. You know, I mean, he might be looking over yeah, his shoulder. Yeah, it's to co- look at her. What are you yeah. doing? Like, I tell you on, what, there's man. no way I'm ever involved with Facebook. If I'm in that bed, I'm staying there until I, I fucking die. Like, there's <laughs> Until so she out. makes me leave, <laughs> I stay there. I am not interested in checking my email and your computer. I am focused on the job at hand. That is... <laughs> yes, yes, I totally agree. This is why we're not meant for greatness, Mike. This is <laughs> we don't have motivation mm. past the the immediate, uh, and I'm okay with that. Well, I'm, we did I'm about fine with that for about me. forty minutes on this. Yeah, the fucking yeah. greatest movie of the uh, this century. Uh, before we were like, all right, time for the sex talk on screen. What would we like yeah, that's to right. see? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, but you know, Social Network is fantastic. But I, I struggle with how rewatchable it is. Like, I know a lot of people who have watched this a lot, but this feels like it feels like a lot. Even though it's only a two-hour movie, like it's when I sat down to watch it, like I was like, okay. Gotta watch this for the podcast. Let's let's do this. And of course, once I sat down and watched it, totally loved it. Enjoyed the whole process. Got something new out of it that I didn't get the first couple of times I watched it. But it does feel like, especially, and I think especially now, um, with where social media has gone, like it certainly paints Zuckerberg as not a likable character. But given what we know now about where it's gone and the kind of person that he became, uh, it. You know, it gets harder and harder to view him as a character that you like and that you care about. So it becomes, to me at least, a little bit harder to access as a viewer. Here's a stick in the mud, Dave. Nothing's ever good enough for you. Well, that's true. That's true. (laughs) That's why I'm divorced. Um, So, (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening to our show. And we're going to end there. I I think there's no other way to move on from that. So... But the next episode, Mike, I think the next episode is going to be fun. Uh, we're doing a double episode to wrap things up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, why don't you tell people what two movies we're going to watch? This is like a Mike Denniston special. This is well, like made for you, I think. Um, they're both directed by David Fincher. We're not going totally off the beaten Ooh. path here. Good. Uh, they good. both have girl in the title. So far, so good. True. Right? Uh, so yep, it is a yep. double on uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. The good version, not the made-for-TV shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? In, uh, mm-hmm. Swedish? Right? Nonsense. Baby talk. Okay, not I, I was trying to 
give them respect, <laughs> and that just opened up for more insults nope. uh, to that great nation. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I think they're great. Actually, I don't know. I don't know what their uh, outlook is. I don't know if they're like us. And they're all they're all fucked up with right wing nonsense. Or Look, not. Mike, we know you're gonna love it. It's a land full of blondes. Like this is, but not this the is main character. She's rebelling nope. against nope. her people. Yes. Uh, which, given the events <laughs> of the film, probably not probably a, a good call. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not a bad idea. Uh, need an outsider's uh, viewpoint. And uh, then we go to uh, a blonde white woman who just wants to uh, finally. Go, have sex, uh, please her man, go to the steakhouse, not good enough for the chucklehead and uh, Gone Girl, so he's got to have his uh, knuckles uh, wrapped a little bit. A little bit of punishment. Yep, got to happen. I would also say I would love if both of these movies had sequels. Um, mm-hmm. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo meant to have sequels. There are sequels written for it. Uh, and Gone Girl, honestly, I would just, we'll get into it in our next episode, but I would watch like 10 hours of Gone Girl material uh with these actors so you know just keep keep writing gillian flynn what are you doing what are you come on write write some more gone girl widows enough with this sharp objects nonsense is that not good enough for you dave mike you know better than that (laughs) (laughs) and if you'd like to hear us talk about widows uh you should listen to mike's other podcast Sober, Sober cinema, cinema, where we talked about that in particular i uh talk about my love of tall white women my co-hosts uh, expressed a, a fascination with uh, getting more friendly <laughs> with Violet Davis, and uh, Dave just hates <laughs> yes. everything involved. I, I don't think you went on the record yes. with anything positive, like me and my friend. You didn't pick a widow for yourself, Dave. And uh, you're single. I don't think I was asked. If I remember, we just skipped because I think Jared just went off on Viola Davis, and it just like he had a fair I, point. I felt uncomfortable. Why, why is she not? He did. Why is she not being projected as some sort of uh, sexual icon there? Why has she always got to be so sad? I had not thought about that until L- this particular. Liam Neeson agrees with you. I mean, I think. Uh, okay, yeah. that opening scene did make focused, us all uncomfortable. So. I don't like seeing Liam Neeson kiss. Um, so. Yeah. You mean eat face? Yes. Anyway, we won't be talking about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> we will not. That's enough widow's talk forever. Um, but we will be talking about the girl with the dragon tattoo and Gone Girl in our next episode. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at DirectedByPod or you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash a podcast directed by.